of the Lifespan Live podcast series. My name is Michael Gershkov, and I am the National Practice Manager here at Lifespan Financial Planning. We encourage you to share all the information in these series, and we always welcome your feedback and any suggestions you have, so please don't be shy. And today, I am particularly excited to introduce you to Christopher Mewison. I've known Chris for over 10 years. Chris is from Wealthy and Financial Planning, based here in Melbourne with me. Uh, Chris and I go back a very long way. Uh, Chris is a lover of fine wine, as I am, and uh, more importantly, he is, was the finalist in two categories at the IFA Excellence Awards in 2020 for Goals Based Advisor of the Year and Innovative Advisor or Innovator of the Year. And uh, I'm very confident he will win in 2021. Today, Chris will be sharing some important insights into what he does and how he does it. So, Chris, let's start with the basics. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Well, thanks, Michael. Um, after that introduction, it's, uh, it's hard for me to add anything in. But um, I, yeah, you're right. I've, I've known you since I basically started as a financial advisor. And I'm, I'm 29, so I'm a young advisor, but I've been giving advice for just about 10 years and been in the industry for about 11. Uh, I have my own um, financial planning business, which I run with uh, my wife, Lauren, and we specifically help clients who are business owners, tradies and miners, uh, generally between the ages of 30 and, and, uh, and 55 who want to get their investments on track and all those sorts of things. So we give holistic advice mainly for those types of clients and we tend not to stray too far out of, uh, out of that sort of... Um, uh, client demographic. So, um, yeah, I've uh, previously built a business, uh, sold a business, worked at a big corporate, and uh, and now starting out again. And, and based on this lovely little vineyard in in northwest Victoria, so split my time between the advice business and uh, and Huckster Estate Vineyard. Awesome. Now. The last 12 months has certainly been a crazy period for many advisors, uh, but some, like you, have been able to move forward, play to your strengths, and really embrace the opportunities that came with the challenges. Uh, please share with us what you've done and how you managed to do it. Yeah, well, I was actually kind of lucky in a way that I set up my business uh, originally to be very online-based because I do work with a lot of miners and a lot of business owners you know, they they tend to have very limited time and I wanted to work with people nationally. So uh, I was a little bit ahead of the curve uh, where I'd actually adopted a lot of the online stuff just before COVID happened. Uh, and so it's been a big learning curve in regards to that and getting comfortable with doing everything online and moving away from a traditional face-to-face sort of a business to, to what we're in uh, at the moment. And I think... You know, the word that you used there around disruption is a perfect word to describe what's actually happened in the financial advice world, not just with COVID, but with also all the regulatory changes and those sorts of things. And it's, I think, in terms of how we've moved forward with that is that we're really trying to roll with the punches rather than getting too caught up with, you know, this sucks and this isn't any good and and those sorts of things. So we're really trying to roll with the punches and, you know, really try and make the client experience as amazing as possible with the tools and resources that we have. So that's what we've really put a focus on for us and for our business to try and uh, move forward and, and make the most out of where we're at and, and the the crazy 12 months that it has been. And given that you have an online business, technology obviously plays a key role to everything that you do. 
what are some of the tools that you're using to engage your clients and to deliver advice as part of that process? Yeah, we um, we have actually had uh, a few trial and errors um, with, with the way that we deal with clients and those sorts of things. So we use some of your standard, your DocuSigns and uh, your Zooms for communication as well, signatures and that sort of stuff. Uh, and the way that we structure things is that we tend to have a, a fact find slash strategy day after the client's um, uh, committed to a statement of advice and those sorts of things. And what we do is we utilise uh, Life Risk Online as well as uh, HubSpot for the uh, insurance and then the CRM side. Uh, and we also use data gathering and those sorts of things. And we're utilising uh, Astute Wheel for that. And the reason why we're using Astute Wheel is because it helps us collect the data, put it into modelling software, and allows us to uh, get a feel of what clients are really comfortable with on a, on a, on a, um, uh, a really easy to easy to see and easy to update sort of a way that we can run through in, a, in an hour to an hour and a half session and get a really good idea of what it is that they're wanting to do and that way we can sort of utilize some of the best technology in the market put it in front of clients uh without having to send documents and, and all those sorts of things for them to sign and stamp and that sort of stuff excellent now given that you're using zoom as many others do as well do you record the meetings that you have with clients one hundred percent, and I'm actually taking uh, your advice to download the uh, phone call uh, recording software. But one hundred percent utilise the recording software on Zoom, and um, I think when you're using technology and when you're actually adopting this sort of a thing, to not record is not only doing you a disservice from a file note point of view, but you know, as we know, technology stuffs up sometimes. And I'm not saying that I've had a uh, 100% um, uh, technology never failing on me. It does. Your internet cuts out, something goes wrong, or uh, something doesn't get sent right, and those sorts of things. So being able to look back on a recording, it's probably saved me two or three times where I've been able to look back on a recording, have a look at the, uh, the data that we captured, have a look at how the client was feeling about it, and what their specific wording was around different things that we were looking at. and. Yeah, it's really, really safe by bacon where I don't then have to go through that whole process again with the client uh, and, you know, we can actually fix some of those technical problems without even having to involve the client and having to put them through another process all over again and, and again, create that positive experience for the client. Uh, and it's also taken a lot of weight off my shoulders around file notes because it means that whilst I know the most important things uh, in the conversation, if I need to come back to it, you know, I've got every meeting that I've had via Zoom um, recorded, both from an audio point of view as well as a video point of view. So we can look at things from a couple of different angles. Excellent. Now, uh, to change the subject a bit, in terms of uh, seeking the expertise of others and the counsel of others, having successfully built a business, sold it, then started again, um, who are the people you turn to for advice and uh, what's the best advice that you've received from that has really helped you? Oh, without trying to blow smoke up your bum, um, I actually, you were one of my first points, points of call, Michael. Um, you know, you've been a mentor of mine uh, for a long, long time. Uh, but I seek advice from, from a lot of different people and I don't just seek advice from people within uh, financial planning because there's certain other industries, there's certain other people and business people that I admire that uh, are doing amazing things that I, I try and adopt uh, some of what it is that they do around their client experience and, and those sorts of things as well. So 
I try and seek out the experience and counsel of a lot of different people. Uh, and I've actually been focusing quite a lot around seeking some counsel from uh, people like psychologists and, uh, and people who deal within uh, the mental health care space, as well as uh, people who deal with uh, behavioural um, uh, problems and those sorts of things. Because try and understand, again, a little bit more how my client thinks uh, and how I can actually get them to communicate what they value out of, uh, out of life to make the advice process better for them. Uh, is a really core thing of, of what I'm looking for at the moment. Um, but in terms of who I probably uh, probably haggled the most, it would have to be yourself uh, uh, around making sure that when I am doing something good or bad or whatever it is, I know that uh, you won't you won't bullshit me and, and you know put me in. Uh, you won't just blow smoke at me and, and say, yeah, Chris, that sounds great. You'll actually pick it apart and, and work with me to create something amazing. So, um, yeah, so you're probably the number one person that I actually turn to for advice in this industry. Well, that's very kind of you, but as uh, what you mentioned there about uh, speaking to psychologists and people who are dealing in the healthcare or uh, psychology space, uh, are these also people who can become referral partners? And have you, done, have you actually been able to convert them into referral partners? Yeah, really good question. And um, there's probably, look, I haven't been able to convert them into referral partners yet, but that is an aim of mine. And one of the things that I've been having a look at is more so around the types of psychologists and people who work in the healthcare industry and the types of people that they're actually dealing with. Uh, and I'm really lucky to have a um, whole one side of my family. So uh, whilst I come from a financial planning family where my dad was a financial advisor, my mum and dad had a financial advice business, the rest of his family, like 80% of them are psychologists or counsellors. So I'm really lucky to be in that sort of a space. I've been really lucky to be able to actually speak to those guys and get some really good insight from them and have access to some really, really top-notch people there. Um, but they, but a lot of them are dealing with people who are drug-affected and people who are dealing with severe mental health issues, which uh, may not be the ideal type of client to, to be dealing with. So... My aim is over the next little while to start talking to counsellors and psychologists who particularly uh, are dealing with people who um, are going through marriage breakdowns or uh, all those sorts of things and being able to help uh, or potentially build a referral relationship uh, to then have them refer those sorts of people over to us so that we can help sort of pick up the pieces uh, after the, the dust settles and, and work with people to rebuild not only their, their emotional and mental well-being, but also their financial well-being and uh, uh, bring them back to pre-divorce sort of uh, income and assets. Thinking back over the past 10 years and in terms of building those sort of referral partnerships, who have been the best sources of client referrals, uh, either as professionals or other types of clients? Could you share a bit more about that? My experience has been that um, the best referrals that I've received have been Traditionally from accountants, uh, there was a commercial relationship with that though. Uh, and the thing is, is that it took us, uh, it took us years. It literally took us probably three years or, or three and a half to four years before we actually had one or two accounting practices that were consistently and reliably uh, sending people to us that were the right sort of clients for us, as well as uh, setting them up and educating them around what to expect from the advice experience. So traditionally, it has been accountants. Uh, I'm finding that that's a little bit less less so. 
uh, especially as there's been, I think, some extra regulatory burdens put on them and they're a little bit cautious around referring some some of those sorts of clients. So uh, accountants and mortgage brokers are probably traditionally the, the best ones, but I, uh, I definitely have been looking towards uh, different referral partners and, and different types of referral partners as well. Let me switch the conversation to something which uh, a, a, little, a little bit more complicated. We're all now required to put the best interest of duty first and our clients have to be at the centre of that. But at the end of the day, to successfully grow a business in the environment that we're in, is it really commercially possible to put your clients at the centre of everything you do? I, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I would have to say that um, your client's needs and your needs sort of go hand in hand. And the way that I think about it is that if I don't have... And I think, I think look, talking about best interest duty is, is an interesting one because, you know, advisors on a whole, you know, there's only a few, a few advisors maybe out there that, you know, don't really think about the client's best interest. We traditionally have that front of mind anyway. And the thing that I've always never or haven't really understood is if you're an advisor and you have a client and you're not actually putting them at the centre of what it is that you do, especially for self-employed guys, you're not going to have them as a client long term and uh, or it's going to cause big issues for you long term. And so the way that I look at it is that the client needs to be and the client experience needs to be absolutely front and centre. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't charge really good fees for it. it. doesn't mean that you can't have a commercial business and it doesn't mean that you can't charge what you're worth, especially in, in a uh, higher regulatory environment where costs are going up. But the client needs to have value. And the way that I see it is that if the client is amazingly happy, they're meeting what it is that they're wanting to do and your fees or the fees that you're charging are proportionate to the value that you're providing, it's a win-win-win for everybody. So, you know, it's a zero-sum game if you start to think, well, I have to get paid less to put the, uh, advisor, to put the client's needs in front of it. It's more in a case of how can we make the client experience amazing? How can we get them the best results? And then how can we get paid for it? And if you make the client experience amazing, if you get them really good results, they're not going to leave. You know, they're going to want to meet with you on your six-month or 12-month review basis. And so you're going to have that client for a long time. You're going to a really sticky client. So I think that to build a business uh, in the future, you need to have that front and centre. Absolutely. And going back to that issue of referring, do you think or in your experience, are clients actually a better source of referral or is it professional service providers? Look, I think clients are an amazing source of referrals so long as they know how to refer you and uh, so long as they're uh, educated on what it is that you can do and how you can help uh, their friends and family. And I think that if you're not educating your clients on how to refer to you, the kinds of people that you want, uh, you might have to, you might not be getting the types of referrals that you actually want to get, and then if you then you have to go through a re-education process, or uh, or the client might feel bad for sending you the wrong people, and so they stop referring to you. So amazing referrers, uh, and every client should realistically be able to find one person that is going to be like them, uh, that is going to like the advice that you give, uh, and be able to send them to you. I think it's really key and crucial to set those guys up and uh, and really educate them, uh, you know, not sitting them down for an hour and giving them a seminar on who to refer to you, but by the way that you communicate with them, the sort of things that you're actually putting out to them, the way that you talk to them, uh, and the way you, you might ask them for referrals, 
will be really key on the kinds of people that they send to you rather than just sending any Tom, Dick or Harry over to you that may not be the right fit for you uh, and it may not be in a position to even actually work with you or um, or, be the, yeah, or, or need the same or the, the right services that you actually provide. So would you be willing to take on a client who in the short term financially would be uh, a loss in terms of what you can charge but who is an influencer and a networker and therefore a great potential source of new clients. What would be your approach in that scenario? Uh, to be completely frank, uh, it would depend on how well I liked them, Michael, depend on how well I got on with them. Because uh, if I didn't particularly like the person, if I didn't particularly get on or along with them very well, uh, then the chances of them referring other people who I won't particularly get along with that won't, I won't particularly want to do business with long-term is quite high. Uh, so they might not have a huge ability to actually pay the fees. Uh, but if I get along really, really well with someone, you know, we can basically be mates. We can go and have a beer down at the pub and we get along really well. We have really good communication and those sorts of things. I'd be willing to, to uh, I suppose, look past maybe a little bit of uh, initial remuneration to to maybe build that relationship. That being said, you know, we have a certain amount of risk that goes on when we actually give advice and by reducing fees and those sorts of things, we're taking on a lot more risk, uh, even from a point of view of the potential complaints process and, and those sorts of things uh, where you, you might have a reduced amount of uh, fees that are getting paid and then either they don't come up with what it is that they might have uh, promised or uh, they're not actually referring to you in the way that you would like them to and so you're doing business for nothing. So my immediate thought is that it really depends on how much I like them. And if I really like them, if I think that we can have a really good long-term uh, working relationship, yeah, I'd, I'd consider it. Uh, if not, then no, absolutely not. I wouldn't do it for someone that I didn't like. Excellent. Now, one final question really worth tackling here. Given how important engaging with clients is and then obviously communicating and educating them uh, over the long term, what are you doing in this in this arena? How are you engaging with clients? How are you building relevant educational and interesting information for clients? It's a it's a that's another interesting question because the way that we look at our clients, you know, we're a family business with uh, with my wife Lauren and I. Uh, the way that we look at clients, the way that we do things with them is that sort of treat them a little bit like their family uh, and I wouldn't do things for them that I wouldn't do for my mum, my dad, my brother or sister and that sort of stuff. And essentially the way that I communicate with them is in a way that they're not only having a look at what's going on from a, from an investment point of view or legislative point of view, but they're also getting an understanding of what's changing for us uh, and, and in our lives and we're giving them an update on who we are, what we're doing. So we're communicating not just from a... I suppose a financial plan and brand point of view, it's also a, uh, who we are and how we can get you more involved in our, our little family. And, you know, a communication is a really key thing for me because if you communicate really well, you can get clients who then uh, actually communicate to their friends what it is that you're wanting to communicate to them. Uh, and you're also getting a better understanding of different ideas and uh, bringing up their education level so you can actually do more interesting things and you can actually do more for them over time rather than just checking a box and you know doing a risk and roll over sort of a thing. Uh, you can start educating them around how to prepare for an investment property, how they can actually save more tax and blah, 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 blah. And if you're communicating with them, you're giving them that information, you're bringing them into the fold, you're actually making them a part of the, I suppose, the business family, um, the chances are that they're not going to look for that information elsewhere. So I look at it as 
uh, as a really key asset to be able to communicate really well with your clients in a way that they want to be communicated with, uh, whether or not that's via video or, you know, we do a lot of articles and blog posts and those sorts of things. I mean, you communicate in a number of different ways with clients. So really trying to put that as a, as a core part of that client experience is a, um, is a really high priority for us. Excellent. Chris, you have shared a lot of interesting and valuable information. We could be talking for the next hour or so. Unfortunately, uh, our time has come to a close. So thank you so much for joining us, Chris. It's been a fascinating uh, chat. Hopefully, we'll be able to come back to this and take this to the next level. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to find out more about how Lifespan can assist you and provide for your business in terms of service support, freedom to choose and grow further, please contact advice at lifespanfp.com.au or just pick up the phone and call me direct on my mobile or call the office number, which is 029252-2000. Chris, thanks very much for your time and uh, have a great day. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you very much. And I'm sure I'll speak to you really soon. All the best, mate. Bye. See you, mate.